Hey, how exciting is this? I love you guys. Hey, listen, this is, what, this is what happened on Easter Sunday when Jesus rose from the dead. And if you were with me in our, in our battle series, you're going to know what I mean. Jesus just stomped on the head of the devil that day, and he said, no more. Victory is mine. <laughs> yes, and guess what? There was a day, there's a day coming very soon, the scripture says, where God will soon crush Satan under your feet, under your feet. That is the promise that is given to God's people who are victors because of his victory. The death to death bought our victory. And it's translated into that. I just need to say at the very beginning, and I know this is very awkward to say at the very beginning, but I feel like I need to say this. For somebody here today and somebody online, your victory is today. The Lord is gonna speak to you today. The Holy Spirit's gonna speak to you today. And you're going to give your heart to Jesus today. So get ready to be called out from the tomb. Be ready to hear the voice of the Lord that reaches in and calls your name in your darkness and calls your name in your despair, calls your name out of your depression, whatever it is that you find yourself in, into eternal life is going to happen today. We've been praying for it. We're actually praying for that on a global scale today, but I believe that the Lord is going to speak to you today in that way. Can I just read a story from the pages of Scripture for you? You okay with that? So I'm not going to have you turn there. I think it will be on the screen behind me, but here is the story. Here's how it goes. <clears throat> Very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb taking the spices that they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance of the tomb, so they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified, and they bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He's risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and that he would rise again on the third day? And at that moment, they remembered that he had said this. So they rushed back from the tomb to tell his 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and several other women who told the apostles what had happened. But the story sounded like nonsense to the men. So they didn't believe. How tragic is that? Who were the men that the women ran to? They were his disciples. They were the ones who had been following him for three years. They were the ones who believed in him. But because the story sounded like nonsense, they didn't believe it. It's horrible. Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, started out for the tomb. That's John, by the way, that disciple. 
They were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. I think John wanted to make sure everyone in the world knew that he could run faster than Peter, so he put that part in there. He stooped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrapping rings lying there while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. He saw and believed. So are you up for a couple of questions? Can I get started with some questions and tax your brain a little bit? Okay, here's question number one. Is this fact or fiction? Are you sure? Here's another question. Truth or a lie? Okay. Here's a question. Is this a real story about real people and a real miraculous resurrection from the dead by the Savior of the world whose name is Jesus, or is it just another fairy tale? Is it just a nice story? that people like to tell at a round of time called Easter to get them to come to church? Can we trust the written down eyewitness accounts of those who saw Jesus die and then saw him alive again three days later? Or should we just dismiss these writings as mere myth and folklore? See, the true answers to those questions, I knew how you would answer those, by the way. But the answers to these questions are highly debated and actually denied in the world that we live in today, have been for centuries. Title sermon today are things you need to know about the resurrection. I tried to jazz it up and get a little better title. I couldn't come up with anything better, so because there are just some things you need to know about the resurrection. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And so I want you to go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is in the New Testament. It's a book written to some new Christians in a real place called Corinth. You can actually go there today. It's a place where Paul, Silas, And Timothy went and they preached the gospel and people were saved and a church was started. And Paul is writing to them about things they need to know. And what we're gonna hear is Paul's testimony of what he saw and what he experienced around this thing called the resurrection. And this was written about 22 years after the so-called resurrection had taken place, the death, burial, and resurrection weekend. Okay, so that's where we are in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1. Let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the gospel, or let's call that the good news, that I preached to you before. You welcomed it then, and you still stand firm in it. It is this gospel, or this good news, that saves you if you continue to believe the message I told you, unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place. I passed on to you what was most important and what had already been passed on to me. If you underline in your Bibles, this is a really good place to underline that most important piece. Or your Bible might say, I'm I'm reminding you of, or I'm passing on to you what is of first importance. 
So underline that because he's ready to tell us what is the most important thing a person needs to know, and that is this, that Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scripture said he would. He was seen by Peter and then by the 12. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. And last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him, for I am the least of all the apostles. In fact, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way that I persecuted God's church. Paul was involved in in actually the killing of Christians and the rounding up of Christians and the imprisonment of Christians. And he stood by, if you remember, at the very early part of the church when Stephen was stoned, Paul was the one standing there as a young man holding the coats of the ones that were stoning Stephen. Verse 10, but whatever I am now, it is because God poured out his special favor on me and not without results, for I have worked harder than any of the other apostles. Yet it was not I, but God who was working through me by his grace. So it makes no difference whether I preach or they preach, for we all preach the same message you've already believed. You get that? He's saying it doesn't matter how God used us, whether you heard it from me or you heard it from the other apostles, We're all preaching the same message. You've been hearing the same message. I just want to remind you of what you've already been been told, what's already been preached to you, and what you have already believed. But tell me this, verse 12. Since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying there is no resurrection of the dead? You've heard our testimony. We told you all about it. We've written it down. We brought it to you. Why now, all of a sudden, are you saying that there is no resurrection from the dead? It's tragic that Christians would actually have to have somebody speak like this to them about the resurrection. But I want to start with this, and I want you guys to leave it on the screen um, for a little while so people can write it down. Write this down somewhere. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the centerpiece of the gospel. It's important that you know that. It's important that you understand that foundational to the gospel message is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You can't have one without the other. But there are many skeptics out there who, like down through the ages, have denounced the resurrection as a hoax and a fabrication. Somebody just made it up. They've holistically denied it. They've denied it ever happened or ever could happen. In fact, there are more resurrection deniers out there than there are resurrection believers. I could take you to Newsweek. That would be a fun trip, right? They put out an article called Rethinking the Resurrection. In this article, this is what they write. And there is some truth. They they actually start out with some truth. Most Christians still believe in the risen Jesus. Amen? Amen. For fundamentalists, the Bible is as good as its word, whichever translation happens to be in use. That's exactly what we are. Right? Right? Come on. It's not a trick question. We are fundamentalists who believe that the Bible is as good as its word, right? 
Okay, now I don't think that they said that in a way like patting us on the back for that. It's probably written with this attitude. For fundamentalists, the Bible is as good as its word, whichever translation that happens to be in. But we, we stand up and that we champion that. Since the scriptures say Jesus returned physically from the dead, then that's what happened. Amen? If the Bible says that Jesus rose from the dead, then that's what happened. That's what we believe. Not these guys. And they go on to write, but very few Christians are literalists on this point. How sad. You remember, uh, have you heard of the Barna Research Group? They research churches and they conduct surveys. They're a conservative Christian organization. They found that after a survey conducted of the church, 30% of people who call themselves born-again Christians do not believe that Jesus came back to physical life after he was crucified. Did you hear that? 30% of people who call themselves born-again do not believe that Jesus actually rose from the dead. There's a so-called New Testament scholar out there named Gerd Ludemann, and this is what he writes, the resurrection is an empty formula that must be rejected by anyone holding a scientific worldview. Well, guess what, Gerd? <laughs> we don't hold, Christians don't hold to a scientific worldview, we hold to a biblical worldview. We believe that the Bible directs us, we believe the Bible has truth, not the scientific evidence. In fact, there's a whole lot of stuff in here that is contrary to scientific evidence, even though a lot of scientific evidence will prove the scriptures. Gerd Ludemann would be, along with a lot of other people, taking that scientific worldview, and they would throw out all miracles. They would say, there, is no, there are no such thing as miracles, and there is no miracle-working God but I want to tell you, if that's the case, then we have to basically throw the whole Bible out. Because the Bible from the beginning to the end is all about the miraculous, supernatural work of an almighty God who is supernaturally performing miracles in the world today. started at creation. He created the entire universe and the globe and put all kinds of people and animals in it and everything that we have today with just speaking a word. And he's been doing miracles throughout the rest of the scriptures that we can read and he's still performing miracles today in your life and mine. They don't make sense scientifically. That's why it's called a miracle. Ludeman argues that Jesus' body actually just rotted away in the tomb. And according to Ludeman, the risen Christ that appeared to the apostle Peter after his quote-unquote resurrection was a subjective, subjective vision produced by Peter's overwhelming grief and guilt for having denied Jesus when he was arrested. You know what's interesting about that? He's willing to accept the biblical account of Peter's denial as historical fact but completely throws out the resurrection. Crazy, come on. He concludes with this. What the New Testament describes as Jesus' appearance to more than 500 followers was a mass ecstasy, whatever that means. 
it goes on to write that in short, modern psychology reduces the risen Christ to a series of interpsychic experiences, I don't know what that means either, that produce in his disciples a false sense of missionary zeal and spiritual self-confidence. Is that what's happening in the church of Jesus Christ today? You psychoanalyze us and it's just because we're full of some kind of mass ecstasy? <laughs> Sorry, I don't even know why I did that. So let me ask you, does this testimony of this so-called New Testament scholar and that of other resurrection deniers, does that shake your faith? It shouldn't. Do we need to rethink the resurrection because of Gerd and his team? Did the resurrection really happen? Okay, here's a question. Okay, lock into this now and think about it. Can you be a true, born-again child of God and not believe in the resurrection? No, you cannot. And yet 30% of people who think that they are born again don't believe in the resurrection. Let me just say, the evidence of the resurrection, and this is hard for some people to get a hold of, especially people in the world who do not have the Holy Spirit helping them. Proof of the resurrection, evidence of the resurrection is not here in your ability to understand and comprehend it. Proof of the resurrection and evidence of the resurrection is not here, whether or not you feel it or not. Proof and evidence of the resurrection is here in the pages of God's holy word, which is absolute truth, and we believe it because it's written down. We believe it because eyewitnesses wrote it down. And we believe that those eyewitnesses were real people. Paul said that it actually happened. He told us that he and hundreds of others were witness to it and have been preaching it and then he goes on to tell us some things we need to know. This is where we're at now with the message. And the way he, he twists it a little bit, because the things that we need to know that we're gonna lean into today about the resurrection is, what would it be like if the resurrection hadn't happened? So we're gonna go for it in verse 14 of 1 Corinthians 15. Watch this. Paul turns and he, he, he asks the question, remember in verse 13, he says, so we've been preaching this resurrection, but you guys are questioning whether there is a resurrection from the dead. Here's his argument after that. If Christ has not been raised, then all of our preaching is useless and your faith is useless. If Christ isn't resurrected, here's the truth number one, if you're taking notes, truth number one is, if Christ isn't resurrected, then all of our preaching and faith is stupid. Now, why do you have to use a word like that, Phil? Do you really have to use a word like stupid? We don't even allow our kids to use stupid. And now we have to go home today and we got to talk to our kids and say why their pastor can use the word stupid, but you can't use the word stupid. <laughs> well, you do what your parents tell you to do, no matter what. All I can say is, the reason I would use a word like stupid is because that's what Paul wrote down. Now, your Bible doesn't say stupid. Your Bible says things like, then all of our preaching is useless or in vain or empty. 
But the word useless in the Greek literally means foolish, futile, and what's the word? Stupid. <laughs> I, can't, I can't help you with that other than say that's what I read and that's what I, so I said I'm using that word. <laughs> in other words, what I am doing right now, according to Paul, if Christ is not raised, then what I'm doing right now is a total worthless waste of time. It's stupid. It's in vain. It's empty. Why am I doing this? Why am I spending time talking to you? And why are you listening to me? <laughs> if Christ is not raised, then why would any church gather and meet? Anywhere. Why, why would we do this? We might as well go back to, aren't you glad? Aren't you glad we're meeting together this year? Aren't you glad we have Easter together this year? It was so depressing last year. We were, we were reminiscing in the back about last year, and it was just, you know, me and the tech people and the praise team, and how anticlimactic it was to not have a crowd of people lifting high the name of Jesus with us. We knew you were at home, but that's kind of hard to do. But they, thank God we're doing this. But why are we doing this if the resurrection isn't real? We might as well close our doors. It's ridiculous. It's stupid. Why would we do this? If Christ did not raise from the dead, then Christianity in and of itself is a colossal waste of time. Our faith is worthless is what Paul says. It's foolishness and stupid to chase a lie. Would you agree? I mean, if you know somebody is chasing after a lie, you would pull them back and say, don't waste your life. Stop. Right? That's what Paul is saying here. Our faith is worthless. And I just have to say, this is where you have to go if Christ is not risen. You have to go here. Because Christ is a liar if he did not raise from the dead. Because he said that he would rise from the dead. And the Bible is nothing but a fairy tale because all the way through scriptures you can find evidence of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. It was foretold and then it happened. And then it was written down and preached after that, and we continue to preach that today, but look at truth number two. Paul wants us to know that if Christ is not raised, all preachers of the gospel throughout all the ages are liars. Look at verse 15. He says, we apostles would be lying about God, for we have said that God raised Christ from the grave. But that can't be true if there's no resurrection from the dead. If Christ did not rise, then we have been misrepresenting God. That's what Paul is saying. You want to play a little game with me right now? If this is true, and all the preachers of all time since the beginning of the church have been lying about this, then the disciples and the hundreds of people who followed Jesus at the time of his death, they're like master con artists. Think of it. After Jesus' death, the disciples decide to hold a meeting in a remote room somewhere, so in a remote upper room somewhere. And they start talking, and somebody says, you know what, guys, we put a lot of time and effort for the last three years into this Jesus thing, and it's not worked out. I mean, he's dead. Everything we believed is a lie. Everything we hoped for is a lie. Everything we dreamed about this Messiah is a great big lie. What are we going to do now? 
One guy speaks up and he goes, I got an idea. Let's go down to the tomb and let's sneak past the guards and let's roll away that giant stone without them seeing us do it. And then let's steal Jesus' body and let's hide it in a place where no one will ever see it for all time. No one will ever find his bones. No one will ever find anything. That's such a good hiding place that we're going to have. Someone else pipes up and they're like, hey, don't forget we need to take off his burial wrappings. And they're like, oh, seriously? We gotta like take off his burial wrappings and then like carry his, his decaying body. They didn't do what we do today. They gotta take his decaying body and take it out. Yeah, we have to do that because we have to make it look like he rose. So we gotta leave his wrappings laid there on the slab where his body was and then somebody's gotta take the head thing off and they've gotta fold it up right nice and neat right where the head thing is and Somebody goes, well, okay, you go take care of that. You and Luke, because he's a doctor, you guys go figure that part out. And you get that all worked out. And then they continued, and they were like, okay, now listen, everybody. We need to act encouraged, even though we're discouraged and devastated. We all have to fabricate some miracles, and we have to perform them in front of people who hate us and want to prove that what we're doing is false. And then... We have to all be diligent and we've got to keep up this ruse and spread the made-up story for our entire lives. And all of us are going to have to commit to dying torturous deaths without ever denying this falsehood that we're making up right now. Deal? Everybody in? All right, let's go make it happen. Paul's like, guys, if the resurrection didn't happen, then what are we doing? Have we lost our ever-loving minds? Here's the deal, my friends. Fakers don't die for a lie. They won't. Conspiracy theorists won't go to the gallows for what they know isn't real. No human being will allow themselves to be imprisoned and refuse to be released, tortured, stoned, crucified upside down, sawed in two, or put to death by the sword for a resurrection story that they know wasn't true. Which the Bible tells us that there are Christians who have gone through that and gone through that kind of persecution, have gave up their lives. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people who believe in the resurrection have, have been martyrs for the cause of Christ. All for a lie? People are being persecuted today. And if there is no resurrection, they're doing it. It's it's worthless. It's stupid for them to do that. Think about this. Not one of these early Christians, not one, there is no record of any one of them having caved in from the pressure and exposed the false narrative that they made up in that upper room. You don't have one record of anybody going, okay, okay, I give. Let me tell you the real truth. I don't want to die. You know why that's true? Because it really happened. And they didn't make up the story. And it's real. And it's true. Jesus really rose from the dead. Just as he said he would and just as the scripture proclaimed that he would. I need to tell you this, that the resurrection is what makes Christianity unique from all other religions. We're the only ones who preach a resurrected Savior. 
It's part of the, what we call the exclusivity of the gospel message. We believe that Jesus died, was buried, and raised to life again three days later, and that you come to know him and you come to salvation by grace through faith in one Lord, one Savior. His name is Jesus Christ, and he's the only one that you can come to. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father, no one can find salvation, no one can enter into heaven except through me. That's the exclusivity of the gospel. But you have to believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. All other religions add or subtract from that truth. Here's the third thing. If Jesus is not resurrected, and this is a big deal, forgiveness of sins is impossible. Forgiveness of sins is impossible. Look at verse 17. If Christ has not been raised, Paul says, then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of your sins. If Christ is not raised, we are all still dead in what the Bible calls our trespasses and sins. Let me ask those of you who have accepted the free gift of salvation from your sins and who have experienced the freedom and the exhilaration of the weight of your sin being lifted. You remember that day? Do you remember when he called your name? You remember when you heard your name for the first time by the Holy Spirit who called you out in that tomb and drew you out? You remember repenting of your sin and feeling the weight lifted? You're shaking your head. You remember. That's awesome. Do you remember how, how awesome it was to feel for the very first time and how refreshing it was to feel the Holy Spirit enter into your life and you actually felt him and you felt his presence and you knew he was part of your life and you start to feel the leading of the Holy Spirit of God? You remember that? Are you all willing to say that that just didn't really happen? It's just all a big lie? You just were duped somehow into having some kind of emotional experience? Or was it real? Listen to me. If Christ is not raised and therefore we are still in our sins, then every single one of us is in huge trouble. The Bible is clear, my friends. Isaiah 53, 6 describes it like this. We are all like sheep. And we have, we have all gone our own way. And we have all sought out our own path and we're walking on our own path. And it's describing our individual sin for every single one of us. But because God loved us so much, the scripture says that he laid on Jesus all of our sins. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our sins. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. By his wounds we are healed. This is the message of the cross. This is what we remembered on Friday night as we witnessed and remembered the brutal crucifixion that he took for us and the price that he paid for us, taking our death, taking our punishment upon himself. And the Bible actually says that God was happy to do that because he wanted to make a way for his people. Look at this quote, Jesus paid a debt he did not owe because I owed a debt I could not pay. 
Ephesians chapter 2 tells us that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. He called it in the way that we used to live, when we followed the ways of the world, when we spent all of our time gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature. But God, how awesome is that in the scripture when you read, but God, but God came to the rescue who is rich in mercy and love, and while we were still sinners, he made us alive through the death and resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ. Romans 6, 23 says this, that the wages of sin, the penalty of sin, what you earn because of your individual sin, because you walked away and you were disobedient, and we all know that we're sinners. What we earn for that is death. But because Christ loved us and because God the Father loved us and was willing to sacrifice his son, there is a free gift from God, which is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And it's because Jesus was died and he was buried and he rose again that you can have life in him today. Absolutely praise the Lord for that. He rose to give us life. Romans 10, 9 says that if you openly declare, other versions say, if you confess with your mouth, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, what? Come on, believe in what? That God raised him from the dead. You have to believe in the resurrection. Then you will be saved. Do you see it? All who call on the name of the crucified, buried, and risen Lord will be saved. I just have to say, and I want to pause right here before I finish this out. We're almost done. Some of you are hearing his voice today. Some of you are hearing for the first time that you're a sinner and that you actually need salvation. Some of you are hearing from something you don't understand. You're hearing a voice that's speaking to you. Actually, what I'm saying is becoming real to you, and it's opening up your heart and it's opening up your mind right now. And you're saying, I've never heard it this way before. It's making total sense to me right now. That's because the Holy Spirit is opening your eyes that have been blinded to the truth of the gospel. And if you hear his voice, the scripture says, listen. Do not deny the hearing the voice. Do not walk away. If you hear his voice today, answer the call. He's calling your name. Today is the day of salvation. We live in a time called the age of grace where God is offering a free gift, which is his son, Jesus Christ, who died for your sins, took him to the grave and buried them there and then rose victorious so that if you would believe in him and you will repent of your sin and believe in him and believe in his resurrection, you will be saved from your sin and you will have eternal life in Jesus Christ. You can have that today, my friends. I would love, at the end of the service, when everybody's going that way, just come this way. You online, if God is speaking to you right now, we have people standing by that all you have to do is say, I want to receive Christ today. I want to commit my life to Christ today, and we will be right there to help you because we want to show you from God's word, the truth of God's word, about your condition so that you can be saved. Don't harden your heart today if you hear his voice. He's calling you out like he has most of us in here, calling us out of the tomb, calling us out of our death into his resurrected life. He wants that for every single one of us. But I got one more thing to show you in verse 18. 
It's, it's critical to hear this. If Christ has not risen, Paul says, then all who have died believing in Christ are lost. That means is everybody since the beginning of the church, when this teaching came out that Jesus rose from the dead, all those who believed in Jesus and believed in his resurrection, did all the things, repented of their sins, they're actually dead right now in hell. They're not in heaven. If Christ did not raise from the dead, then they believed a lie. They went to their deathbed believing they were going and entering into heaven into the glory of the Lord that provided for them just to wake up in hell, in torment for their sin, paying for their sin. If that's true, then God, God's a monster because he actually had somebody write down in a Bible and call it his word that you're dead in your sins and if you don't believe the message about his son Jesus, which is all a made up lie, then you're gonna go to hell and you won't go to heaven and so people are coming to that message only to find out that it was a lie and they wake up in hell someday suffering for their sin? Is that the kind of God that we serve? It's not. God, it says in God's word that he doesn't want anybody to perish. He doesn't want anybody to suffer for their sins. He loved us so much that he sent his son to die for us. Listen to me, while we were still sinners, he made a way for us. John 3.16 says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever would believe in him would not perish. But what kind of life do you get in Jesus Christ? Eternal life, resurrected life, because he rose from the dead. Jesus died and rose so that we would not have to go to hell and suffer the payment of our sins. And if Jesus isn't risen, then everyone who has died and will ever die will be forever paying for their sins in an unimaginable place of torment called hell. But that's not the good news, okay? There's really good news. You want the good news on this Easter day? Anybody want some really good news? Okay, Paul ends with the good news. He goes, but wait. <laughs> but in fact, verse 20, Christ has been raised from the dead. Doesn't matter what people think. Doesn't matter what people say. Doesn't even matter what you think in your heart. The reality is Christ has raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. And he jumped to verse 54 with me and he says, death is swallowed up in victory because of his resurrection. Freud was wrong when he said, there is the painful riddle of death for which no remedy at all has been found, nor probably ever will be. Well, Sigmund, you haven't read the Bible because the Bible is clear that there is a remedy for death and it's, his name is Jesus Christ and he rose from the dead so that we can have victory in his victory. He put death to death when he rose from the grave. Oh, death is your victory. Amen. Where, O oh, death, is your sting? 
So what's the answer to that? The answer is it's gone. It's not there. The victory and the sting of death are gone. Death no longer exists for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Jesus Christ conquered the sting of death by carrying all of humanity's sins to the cross and dying for those sins. His blood made atonement and covered them up. He paid the penalty of death that sin demands. He actually paid the price and perfectly fulfilled the penalty that the law required for sin on our behalf. C.A. Spurgeon wrote this. He said, I will not fear you, death. Why should I? <laughs> I love that. <laughs> you look like a dragon, but your sting is gone. Your teeth are broken, oh, old lion. Why should I fear you? I know you are no more able to destroy me, but you are sent as a messenger to conduct me to the golden gate where I shall enter and see my Savior's unveiled face forever. Dying saints have often said that their deathbed has been the best they have ever slept upon. My friends, on the cross of Jesus Christ, he removed the penalty of our sin. His resurrection conquered the power of our sin and the grave, and when he comes again, he will forever erase the, pres erase the presence of sin. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 57, oh, thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, stand with me, church. Oh, thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's lift our voice and sing this song one more time. Come on. The ground began to shake. The storm was victorious because of his victory. And I want to read you one more verse. You have one more verse in you? This is how Paul concluded the whole thing in 1 Corinthians 15. He says this, now my dear brothers and sisters, in light of all you've heard, be strong and immovable. You got that, my friends? Be strong and immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know you know, right? Right? You know. You know, we know that because Christ is risen, 
nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Let's go out in the strength and power of the risen King, Jesus Christ. Satan is being stomped under our feet right now. And as you go, you go in the victory of the Lord Jesus Christ that he won for you because he is alive forever. He is risen forever. And those of us who know him will be with him forever. God bless you, my friends. Happy Easter. Listen, if you need the Lord Jesus Christ, whether you're online or here in the building, please come and let us help you right now. You just come down here. There's no shame in that. Many, all of us that know the Lord have done this before at one time or another. We would love to help you. Otherwise, go with the Lord. Go in the grace and peace that he gives you and that he won for you. God bless you, my friends. You're dismissed. Thank you for joining us for our worship service online today. Our hope is that the worship and teaching has stirred your affections for Jesus Christ and has inspired you to love God, love others, and influence our world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you made a spiritual decision today or if you just want prayer with somebody, would you click on our connection card link and there you can find the help that you need. Also, we encourage you if you haven't already, download our church app from the App Store today so that you can connect with us in that way and the many different tools that it offers. As always, our website offers a host of opportunities and resources for you, and you can find that at fbcalcar.org. Hey, thank you again for joining us today. We'll see you right back here next week. See ya.